Welcome back to Minds Full of Everything after being off air for two months. For those of you who've been part of the community, I hope you were able to fit in quality periods of rest in your lives. And for those of you that are new here, welcome and thank you for choosing to be part of this space where we invite on guests who center their work around revolutionizing healing of self and community to provide us with inspiration and wisdom to outgrow and reimagine broken systems which inhibit radical thinking and free living. To kickstart the show, I am sharing this lovely conversation I had with Laura Hippolyte on reclaiming identity as immigrants through a poetic lens. I feel like sometimes immigration kind of presents a false dichotomy. You have to pick between whatever your home country is and whatever country you're immigrating to. So that's what I'm saying. Would the change in geography allow it? Why can't you just be a Haitian that happens to live in the U.S.? Laura is a Haitian immigrant learning to navigate life in the United States. Her work as a poet and author transcends the personal and draws on connections with history and society as she poetically weaves tales that travels from the beaches and colours of Haiti to the slate and rough edges of city life in the United States. Welcome, Laura, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we begin today's episode, which is really close to my heart, I can already imagine the sort of conversation we'll have today. I would just like to take a few deep breaths with you to kind of ground us and slow us down before diving right in. All right. You can gently close your eyes. Give this time to notice. To notice the sensations in your body, any recurring thoughts you've had throughout the day or the week. And just give this time to slow down. Feel the seat or floor beneath you. Feel the energy in the room. And feel yourself slowing down. Now we're going to take five deep breaths together. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Deep breath in. 
deep breath out. Final one, deep breath in. Deep breath out. When you're ready, gently open your eyes. I hope you enjoyed that and that helped you kind of slow down. Yeah, that was great. I hope listeners were also following along because that was yeah, that was amazing. So I think to begin today's conversation, I think it would just be great if we could get to know how you came about to write your book, which is called Ordinary, a Poetic Anthology of Culture, Immigration and Identity. So how did you come about in writing this masterpiece? Thank you, first of all. I feel like it was a lot of things, probably a combination of, you know, the pandemic boredom and kind of having a lot of time on my hands. So it was as good a time as any. I was just thinking a lot about immigration and writing, not specifically about immigration, but just writing in general. I've always written about random things. And I was thinking, should I write about something specific? Like what if I actually target my writing for a purpose and not just write, keep it to myself, no one will ever see it. So I feel like it was that. And also I've always loved documenting things. I will document every little thing like, oh, the day I did this, 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 this. So I'll document little things like that. So I don't know. I feel like the book, it was just another way to document my experiences my immigrant story, and also like a little bit of Haitian history. So yeah, I think it was just mainly for me, but I'm like, you know what, I should just take the leap and actually try to write a book and not just randomly like write thoughts in my notes, which I am notorious for doing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's great. And in your book, you of course emphasize on identity and identity is connected to one's culture, you know, the history of their land that they're from, their ancestry. And as someone who has immigrated to the US and that too at a young age, and you know, at that age, it's just easy for us to assimilate into this new culture that we're entering. How was it like for you to reclaim your identity, that same identity that is connected to the stories and the history of Haiti, but at the same time are often lost in the immigration process? So how was that for you? Yeah, I feel like for me, it was really taking upon myself to research. So when I left Haiti, I was eight. I didn't really have, obviously, like I was going through school, so I knew some Haitian history. But I never felt like I had a deep cultural understanding of Haiti or its history. And I honestly never really took it upon myself afterwards to actually study it besides things I hear in current events and things like that. So I feel like the first part of reclaiming that cultural identity was researching my history, researching Haitian history. I took the first three months of my writing process to let me be inspired by people. So whether that's like 
watching documentaries, watching videos, podcasts, audiobooks, reading was really important because I feel like I've never had the opportunity to do that. So I was really inspired by writers like Edwige Dandika, Felix Moiso Lewa, and um, Funk Etienne, which are all Haitian writers, some poets, some playwrights. And that's just not something I never experienced before. And I didn't think I really needed until I started that process. So definitely reconnecting with that history that I never, I don't want to say I never learned, but I really never took it upon myself to seek out. How was it like looking at your history through the eyes of actual, you know, Haitian people rather than people who are representing a culture that perhaps is not even theirs? How was it? How was that like? Honestly, it was it was different because I feel like my extent of Haitian history is, you know, reading news articles, reading just textbooks that are definitely usually not written by Haitian people. So it was just getting new experiences, um, learning about a bunch of different things. And I'm not saying like all those topics are super serious and like teaching me the breakdown of Haitian history, but it just felt cool to actually read from another Haitian author and just look at their writing style, look at how they use the things around them, how they use nature and get that and put it into their writing. Yeah. It was definitely uh, an enlightening experience for me. In terms of you as a storyteller who has settled onto foreign land and, you know, land that has a colonial past, how challenging was it for you to overcome your imposter syndrome? You know, I think it's a universal immigrant experience where people who are immigrants, you know, we, we feel that we have a right to, of course talk about our story, but also the story of those who are back home, who are still within that reality that perhaps is, it was too harsh for us to live in. And that's why we immigrated. But I think we all do carry this sort of guilt, or, you know, we feel like that imposter within our own culture, within our own community. So how did you come about in challenging this imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest thing I struggled with on like a mental scale Mm -hmm. just because it's like I wouldn't you know I'm not an author I don't write professionally you know what I mean it's hard to just be anyone and think that you can call like fall into this space so in this my space would be like an author space so it was just hard to see that my stories also had value when so many greats already wrote stories they already shared their experiences. It's not like I am revealing some part of Haitian history that was not known to people before. I wouldn't say I had an extremely like traumatizing immigrant experience. So it's not like I'm sharing this crazy like voyage journey experience. And I feel like I, you know, I didn't have anything else to add to the story, but how I overcame it was realizing that Every voice matters in the story. You always have something to add to the narrative because even as ordinary or like not really special as your experience seems, someone else could still take something of value. And also you have something special to add to the story. I feel like it's 
there's so much out there. So you kind of always feel like if there's so much out there, why do I have to share anything? So, (laughs) but yeah. And the other piece of it was also feeling like, especially when I was sharing some experiences about Haiti, obviously I immigrated. So it's like, oh, you're sharing that you care so much about this country, then what, why did you leave? So I feel like that was another part of the imposter syndrome, like Mm -hmm. feeling like an imposter to with other Haitians. But, you know, like, it's just something you have to mentally overcome and realize that you can add something to the story and you don't necessarily have to like, let this like guilt cripple you into just not sharing anything. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I totally resonate with, you know, as an immigrant. And I personally think that the whole concept of immigration or the immigration that we know today is a paradox in itself. You know, we're compelled to leave our homeland and our communities so that we can settle in places which are oftentimes the root cause of the difficult circumstances that compelled us to leave, you know. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I feel like immigration is really just a way for oppressive systems to make sure that even if those who are, that have immigrated want to move back to that land, they will face so many different obstacles like cultural shock or just, yeah, just feeling like you're the imposter when in fact you're not. You are from that land. You were born there. You know, your ancestry is there. In your author's note, you actually pose such a powerful question that I want to read out today that really hits the nail on the head when we talk about this paradox of immigration. And I like to read that out. If one immigrates with the exception of preserving themselves, perhaps even staying exactly who they were before, would the change in geography allow it? It's such a powerful question and we would love to hear, you know, your emotions behind that when you wrote that, your thoughts and essentially how you feel like when you you felt that the demand that immigration has for immigrants to assimilate in order to survive is so strong. Yeah, I feel like when I wrote that, I was coming from a same place that you just mentioned. I feel like sometimes immigration kind of presents a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. You have to pick between whatever your home country is and whatever country you're immigrating to so that's what I'm saying would the change in geography allow it why can't you just be a Haitian that happens to live in the U.S. yeah I feel like sometimes the change in geography kind of makes you feel like you have to pick especially if you immigrated at a younger age I personally felt like some type of pressure, even though I wouldn't say, I wouldn't really say that someone like specifically pressured me. Like I've never been approached and said, you have to pick between being Haitian and American. Like that's never (laughs) happened. But I still feel like there's just this looming presence of you kind of have to renounce some parts of some cultural identifiers just to fit in to this new geography. So I feel like it's almost unfair and weird that we have to choose. And especially for younger people, I feel like it starts with little things, um, renouncing those cultural identifiers. Like it could mean like you're opting for fast food instead of eating the meals that you used to enjoy. It could mean refusing to like speak your native tongue at home. Little things like that as you're going on it does kind of, that change of geography is constantly influencing you to 
let go of some and pick up some others. And sometimes we really don't have to. Most immigrants are bilingual, for example. So we see that you don't have to give something up just because you're accepting something else. But at the end of the day, we live in a world where that's not the case. Sometimes you do feel like you have that pressure to give something up. And I wish it wasn't like that. I don't really have any way to fix it, honestly. But that's just something I've always thought about. Like geography affects so much. And it just makes me feel like we are seeing immigration as two things. We have to pick one over the other. And by the two things, I um, mean the different cultures. Yeah, definitely. You know, we live in a both and world rather than either or. We can have both of those sides. And um, it's something that I've actually talked about extensively in the podcast, which is this idea that we're made up of so many different worlds. And in terms of immigration or like in terms of being an immigrant, you have both of these worlds and these worlds can actually exist together in a very beautiful way. You don't have to let go of one or the other. So yeah, I'm just really happy that you picked up on that. And I just feel that that question really, you know, when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is exactly how I've felt for the past how many years? So it's obviously great. In terms of you being a poet, how do you think that poetry or any other art form, which kind of allows you to express yourself fully without any filters, how can poetry be used as a tool to help us sort of tend to the wounds of our ancestors or our communities, our families, the land even, and also the stories or the way in which we tell our stories, so our cultural stories or the stories of our land? Yeah, I feel like poetry, one of the reasons I've always loved poetry is that you can have different thoughts. You can write a poem about this specific Thing, this specific moment and it could just be a snapshot that's why I've always loved micro poetry as well um I have some micro poems in my book but sometimes you just have one thing that you want to capture and poetry allows you to do that and I also feel like poetry is such a big source of reflection two words come to mind when I think of like tending to generational things and it's really understanding and reflecting So you can take that history, you can take those things that you've learned, you've understood them, but now what do you do with them? And I feel like that's where the poetry or whatever type of art form that you are practicing, that's where it comes in. It allows you to reflect. It talks, talk about the things that you've come to understand. So that's why it's always been like a healing thing for me, poetry, just because first of all, I feel like trying to get all these thoughts out in a very succinct timeline is never how I worked. So I could just write about anything. I could write about this specific moment in time. I could talk about seeing one of the things I talked about in my author's note was just this very naive thing that I thought people would also speak Creole or French when I came to the U.S., I don't know why I thought that because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't that young to not understand that people speak different languages. But I obviously I knew people spoke English, but I just also assumed that people would speak curl or something else that I understood. And I feel like that's just a little snapshot that poetry can allow you to to reflect on and kind of seeing how 
naive and like hopeful you were. And I feel like a lot of different writing mediums like don't really allow you to do that. You kind of have to stretch it out. If you're writing, if I were to write a novel, even if it was like realistic fiction, I would have to stretch that out or make that fit in some type of larger story when it's really sometimes it's just a moment that you can take and reflect on later and I feel like that's what poetry allows you to do it's kind of like an open diary the way you're describing it is kind of like if something happens or if you realize something or you have that sort of moment then you can just write it down and then as you put it in your book, the reader gets to see how you've evolved through that, even if it's just like a snapshot. So I think that is definitely really beautiful. Also, just um, linking back to what you said about this sort of structure that is often demanded of storytellers, poetry, or even ancient sort of art forms, they were so much more free flowing. They didn't follow a particular structure. There wasn't, there wasn't like a set in stone beginning, middle and end, or there wasn't just like you know, a single protagonist or something like that. It's, yeah, it was just so much more free-flowing and poetry has definitely retained that ancient storytelling technique. So I just think that, you know, seeing that is just so powerful, particularly as immigrants who are trying to reclaim their cultural identity. Uh, And I feel like another piece of that is being able to write about people you've never met And I feel like that's what I tried to do in the first part of the book, because obviously I haven't lived through most of Haitian history, but I was able to reflect on it. And I feel like that's something that's very kind of characteristic of poetry. You can write about anyone. You can take on any personality. You can just for that one story or that one moment. So I've always really liked that. I think it would be an honour for us if you could read out one of your poems so we can actually get to hear the sort of writing style you have and just a snapshot, like you said, of a moment that compelled you to write that. So if you could, of course, there's so many amazing poems that you could read out today, but one of my favourites that I got to read was By the Victors poem. So if you could read that out to us we would be so grateful. Yep. Right. From the beginning, we have only known of our people, our past through what has been written. Who are we to question what we've been told? Generations before us had to believe the written word. Yet our idleness grew weary. Our thirst for truth intensified and could not be quenched. We knew there was more to be uncovered beneath the bylines of the authors who claimed to know our heritage. Over time, we learned that some of their pens were tainted with the ink of bitterness that would never sweeten. Were we fools to have been misled by their prose for so long? Suppose our history was not composed by those who caused our woes. What more could we have known? Thank you so much, Laura, for reading that out. And just like a sort of reflective question to kind of wrap up the episode, how do you think, in terms of your experience as a poet, how has poetry helped you to speak about you know, Haitian history without having the sort of colonial and oppressive lens, which is often applied in the history that we get to, of course, learn about our homelands? How has poetry helped you with that? Yeah, I feel like touching on one of the points we were talking about earlier 
is really about reclaiming your cultural identity. And for writing and poetry, it's reclaiming your story, reclaiming your history, um, reclaiming your pen, and actually writing your story, your narrative, your history through your own lens and not by, as the poem suggests, by the victors or the victors it doesn't, it could mean anyone in the moment. It could mean the person that's claiming a story that's not really theirs. It's reclaiming that from your own lens. And I feel like writing from your own perspective is so powerful and important, especially when it's about your own country. It's about your own history. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us in this space today. I feel like this conversation will really be inspirational and provide that power, that energy that immigrants do need when they often are navigating the bicultural crises, you know, that we have. And these crises sort of happen in cycles throughout our lives. It's, it feels as if you can't escape it. But to get to hear stories of other immigrants and particularly through art forms like poetry you know your story it's exactly the same reason why I reached out to you it just gives you so much hope and it really just doesn't make you feel alone you know you feel as if you're part of this big community part of the diaspora that's not just limited to people who are from your country so thank you so much for joining us and for giving us that inspiration and hope and thank you so much for having me. I had a great conversation and really hope people can resonate. Thank you for listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please support the podcast by giving a rating on whichever podcast platform you use and share the podcast within your community to extend listenership to those who will also connect to the content. Become an official Mindful of Everything community member by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash mindfulagreeter. Visit mindfulofeverything.com to access Laura's book, website and socials, as well as episode resources. 